0: Good morning. Welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Tuesday morning uh, brings Ross Gregory from the Evening Chronicle and Reach PLC to us. How are you, Ross?
1: Morning, Steve. Yeah, I'm good, thanks.
0: How are you? Yeah, all good mate, all good, and uh, plenty to talk about as always, even though uh, Newcastle United uh, are still not in Premier League action, they're on their way to Saudi now, we're in Saudi now, sorry, uh, doing a little bit of warm weather training before the game uh, on Thursday, we will come to that at some point, I just want to ask Ross, first of all, uh, is it coming home? am <laughs> um... I don't know. I, I,
1: quite, I quite fancy the, the winners of the, the whole tournament to come from, from the France-England game. I just think both teams it got uh, you know, real strength, real quality. So um, it's going to be a tough one on Saturday night, though. Real tough one. Um, can bat me up against up against Kyle Walker that fills me full of fear, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, and bat me up against anybody. That's no, that's no disrespect to Kyle Walker. It's and bat me up against anybody would uh, would fill me full of dread. But um look, I, I think look, I've said on this on this show before. I'm a massive Gareth Southgate fan, big big fan of Gareth Southgate. What he's done with England, what he's done with um, not just with with the kind of the the team and the results, which which you can't knock um you know in to- terms of tournament football, you-, you can't knock what he's done. But in terms of the kind of the culture and-, and everything else like that around around the national team, it's a completely different vibe, a completely different setup to to um to what we've seen before. And they just keep delivering it, it-, it tournaments under under Southgate. You know, that's three clean sheets in a row. It's it's serene kind of progress. Um the big tests obviously still to come and and that's maybe where where england have fallen sh- slightly short in the last couple of uh, of tournaments so um big big game but i'm i'm really excited for it i think it's uh, i think it's it's got the potential to be to be a a, a classic on there uh, on saturday night uh,
0: happy birthday to mr anderson in the chat i see everyone's passing on their best and ian thank you for delaying the meeting to jump on mate it means a lot um, yeah, Tom Dixon, uh, on the same subject of um, of Mbappe, uh, he said, Who do you think uh, will be good to try and stop Mbappe when we play France? I mentioned this yesterday, you know, Ross, but I, I loved Declan Rice's attitude when he was interviewed at the end of the game because straight away the uh, the interviewer was trying to get him to focus on the France game and, and talk about Mbappe in particular, and he said. What about us? You know what I mean. You know France have got to worry about us. England top scorers, um, you know, going into the game and uh, you know ultimately you know flying high, doing really well, playing some great football. So many players in that team that can potentially score goals or open up the defense. And I think I think you had a point, right?
1: Oh, uh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. I think sometimes as a as a country, and I've just been guilty of it myself. Obviously, of of kind of focusing on on other players and the opposition, and in and, and worrying about the superstars that 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 France have got or Brazil have got or whoever else have got. But in this country, in this England team at the minute, we've got some we've got some players that would walk into in the national teams elsewhere. You know that that front three that we that we have, regardless of who plays. You know Kane and two others, Kane and and Foden and Saka or. Or Rashford might come in, or, or you know, you know Jack Grealish is is knocking on the door, and, and Raheem Sterling, if he if he comes back from his um, from his sorting his personal issues out, you know that's a that's a front three that would walk into into a lot of of national teams. You know, Spain would would die for a front three like like that. You know, I think I think if you look at, yeah, yeah, if you look at France's team, and Mbappe walks into any team, but you know, I'd put I'd put Kane in ahead of. Olivia Giroud, for example, I'd have I'd have Foden in ahead of Dembélé at the front three. So, um, you know, Declan Rice is a fantastic player. Jude Bellingham, what a star he's going to be! What an absolute player he he, he could turn out to be. Um, so yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we talk about we talk about Mbappe and we talk about Messi and all these sort of. World superstars, but we've got some real talent in that squad, and France won't be looking forward to to coming up against against Kane, Ford, and Saka, whoever. Um, so I think we've got a real chance, a real, real chance.
0: It's strange, isn't it? You know, Harry Kane throughout the group games, no, you know, no goals, and then straight into the knockout stages, as he did in the last tournament for England. Um, you know, gets, you know, gets a goal, and I mean, it was, a, it was a great finish, and you know, I, I you know, I, I am. Um, you know, getting into this World Cup, I, I, I enjoyed the first week, but you know, now looking at it, thinking, you know, a few of these players have got the bit between their teeth. This will be the last World Cup when you look at the likes of, um, you know, Jordan Henderson, for example. Um, you know, why not? Why? What, what? Why can't we dare to dream that you know it could come home?
1: You're in knockout. You're in football now. Anything can. Anything can happen. You know, you're three games away. Um, anyone can. I said last night on, on Twitter. I think there's. For me, there's five. There's five teams who, who I think you can just throw a blanket over because there's nothing between them. Absolutely nothing between England, France, Brazil, Spain, Argentina. I think there's very, very little between them. All have got that strengths, All have got a couple of weaknesses. Um, but there's not a there's not a, a a kind of real standout for me at the minute in terms of you know one who's who's really blown everybody else away. You can look at Brazil's performance last night in the first half and think. Wow. But they were playing against the, the probably the weakest out of all the, the qualifiers, I think, from the uh, from the group stages in, in South Korea tactically were were all over the place. Um it's just it's a really fascinating World Cup. And what, what I really like about it as well is that so I, I, I wasn't a fan of um of it being kind of mid season, you know, a traditionalist I, I wanted it in the summer. Um and it, it has taken a little bit of getting used to, but what i think you've seen with this is this tournament is that players are coming in relatively fresh they're not coming in 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 june july after the after the end of a you know a, a long season where they might have played 50 60 games in some cases you know a little bit jaded a little bit tired they're coming in you know in in november fresh really you know on good form and you're seeing the world's best at the, at, at the very best in a lot of cases um and that's made it for made for a, an, an even more fascinating tournament, so um yeah, I think it's i think I think England's stand a chance but but it's not our football anything can happen you need a little bit of luck and we'll need a little bit of luck over the next day uh, on on Saturday, but there's nothing saying th- there's nothing to be scared of I don't think there's absolutely nothing to be scared of other than Mbappe. Um, he I, I'm scared of him I am scared
0: yeah there seems to be a good atmosphere in the camp and um, you know just watching the coverage on uh, you know the various networks it uh, you know it, it bodes well uh, we will see what happens this weekend and um, just just looking at the uh, the other games that have been played i mean brazil yesterday uh, you know uh, you know just turned on you know turned on the uh, the samba style if you like chez mm-hmm. Brings up a point. Um, Thoughts on Brazil over-celebrating. Don't you think many of us are overly sensitive? Sp- uh, spoke Koreans and they don't think it was disrespectful, yet many of us take offence on their behalf. I mean, it-, it was just great to see. I thought there was some fantastic goals. Some, You know, they, they just they just went up a gear. Um, and-, and-, and why shouldn't they celebrate? And that- that's what they're renowned for.
1: Oh, I-, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I think... You know, football is an entertainment business. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. If you can't celebrate or, over, you know, yeah, there was maybe was a little bit over celebrating, but you're in a World Cup. You're in a World Cup when you've, you've scored a, a stunning team goal or a fantastic individual goal. You're full of, you know, you're you you, you you're living your best life as a player. Why wouldn't you celebrate? Why wouldn't you do a bit of a, you know, get your, get your teammates together, have a bit of a dance, have a little bit of celebration? I've got no problem at all. With it, if people get offended by it then then so be it. I saw Roy Keane's comments and, and Graham Soonis' comments on on uh, on I T V last night. They made us they did make us chuckle. I think a lot of it was is, is probably tongue in cheek, but um look, you, it, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy football. It's supposed that's what we're supposed to that's what we're supposed to, to, to do. And ultimately Brazil will not be judged by the celebrations. After goals, the so be judged by what they do on the on the pitch. And if 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 people if other teams have a, an issue with it, then then you know try and ram it back down their throats. But put the you know put the performances put the performances in on the pitch and and, and show them that way. But no, oh, I, I celebrate it as much as anybody else. You know, England celebrations after after you know Jordan Henderson's first goal were, were fantastic. You know, that's what you that's what you want. You want. Proper joy, proper emotion—that's what football is all about for me.
0: Ah, yeah, hundred percent, mate. And um, you know, Brazil really are turning it on. Uh, Rodgers, as I said, France from the start. Yeah, Brazil are now being uh, Brazil, uh, which yeah, I would, I would agree. It's, um, it's just been, it's been something you know, which, which I always expect to be. It's been a, it's been some great football. There's some more to come, uh, of course. Today, uh, the uh, the next round of sixteen games, um, well, which kick off today are Morocco and Spain and Portugal and Switzerland and of course Portugal, Switzerland, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves but the winner of England against France of course uh, as uh, Tom rightly says in the chat uh, play the winners of that game so that's who would lie in wait for England or France if they get through Okay, uh, On to Newcastle United Tom Dixon asks um, with Richarlison uh, being on fine form for Brazil do you think Newcastle should go in from june J- january or the summer transfer window he's just gone to tottenham tom i've seen somebody saying that in the chat so i don't think that's a, i don't think that's you know, something Newcastle would look at anyway. But, um, yeah, he, he's not going to open leave Spurs, I don't think. And um, I wouldn't want him at Newcastle. I've got to be perfectly honest. I think Newcastle can do better and probably will do better than that. Keith Moore says, uh, Morning, Ross. Is there any truth in Newcastle winning the league this season?
1: <laughs> it would be, yeah, uh, that, that would be the dream, wouldn't it? I think Newcastle win the win the league this season. Not for me. Um I think uh, I think we're getting a little bit too ahead of too ahead of ourselves if we think Newcastle are going to challenge for the title. Um, so I think uh, I think I've, I've said from the start, and I'll, I'll maintain. It, I think top eight would be a fantastic achievement. Anything above that is a is a bonus. I know Newcastle are sitting fourth at the minute and or third at the minute, and and you know really. Um, you know, had a had a really strong first half to the season. Let's see how it how it all shakes up after after the January transfer window, after this World Cup break. Whether the momentum can can continue, but uh, I think gradual progress. And if if finishing a, in a European spot, that would be yeah, uh, that would represent a fantastic season for me.
0: Yeah, it would. it's um, something which you know we're we're all going to be slightly concerned about because you know we had the momentum. We you know we we've been the best team um, with the exception of Arsenal and Man City in in the league, and um, you know Newcastle fans um, will will hope that we can continue in the same vein uh, when when the you know the games kick off again for real after the World Cup finishes. So uh yeah, interesting. Um transfer window of course will be open as you've already mentioned. Pulisic rumors gathering more weight, says Roger. I mean, any of these transfer rumours that are starting to circulate got any um you know got any credibility, Ross? Do you think
1: I think I think there's a lot of them that do have credibility. It, I, I think I've explained kind of this on on the on the show before. It's that, you know the way that the, the transfer system works um, around around clubs like Newcastle and other clubs is that there's never just one kind of target. There's always you know four or five or six targets on a on a list, um, and there's a there's a list put forward to to almost like a, a transfer committee, and and scouts are watching all sorts of different players, and and, and there might be a player who's your number one on your list, but you are never you know you're not going to put all your all your eggs in one basket. That's why there's often so many any so many links with with different types of players because you know if you're a club and you want to go for let's just say Harry Kane, you want to sign Harry Kane, he's your number one target. Well, you know, what's the chances of, of you getting him? You you know you're gonna have to have a, a couple of backups because if this one doesn't come off then you might have to move to second or third on the list. So you're always trying to keep them them kind of plates spinning if you like. You're always trying to keep the, the the pans kind of bubbling under and and you'll turn up the heat on, on one and turn down the heat on another and then and then vice versa. So I think there's there is credibility in, in a number of these these rumors um for, for them for, for that kind of reason how strong they are is it, it just depends on, on on other links and other on other kind of moving parts within the, the transfer system. But Newcastle castle are going to be looking to, to strengthen in January um, I don't expect it to be to be huge business in, in you know bringing in fours and fives like like what happened last January because there isn't the the need for that. But I do expect one or one or possibly two to, to potentially come in. There might be younger players that are, that are with an eye on the on the future, or that might be able to to look and think. Right, this person adds real real quality to, to our squad, and if we can get them now, then then let's do it and and, and have that real push towards the end of the season.
0: Uh, Ian. Tune how many do you think will sign in January, Ross?
1: Yeah, a couple I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if it was one or two. Like I say, a couple of you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a younger kind of player who comes into the to the squad who's who's maybe in that kind of gap between the 23s and the first team. Maybe he's not quite ready for the first team, but he has got a lot of potential. Um, and then I wouldn't be surprised if again if there was another one, maybe two come in who are real, um, who can push for that that first team a first team place a lot will also depend i suppose on um on this on the the kind of the fitness around the squad as well you know if if there's a if there's an injury um, a major injury between now and in kind of middle of january or end of january the club might have to react to something like that you know if callum wilson goes down injured and is out until the end of the season the club might have to to react to that or if or if there's a, another, you know, an injury to Nick Pope or somewhere else in, in them key positions. I don't think they're going to just buy for the sake of buying, though. It's, it's, a, it's a well thought out, considered plan. Um, they, they know that January is a tough, tough market to, to operate in, albeit that last January the, the, the club was really successful and did some really, really good business then. Um, I don't think it'll be a, a huge win. I think a, a couple, but, uh, it maybe it's at best.
0: How many out, Ross? uh, Is a question that were being asked from Roger Cook. A lot of people talking this week. The rumours, rumours flying round. Ryan Fraser could be off. Yeah, Um, you know there were suggestions that Chris Wood might be offloaded to Leeds. Eddie House very defensive of any talk of. uh, Chris Wood leaving, it has to be said. Um yep. Jacob Murphy was another one that was chucked into the mix, which I find rather odd. Um, you know, but as I say, it's all rumors and speculation, which is what you're gonna get. Ryan Fraser, though, not happy you're not getting a game. So maybe that could have some legs.
1: Yeah, I think the Fraser one probably has legs. I don't think Murphy will be going anywhere. I don't think Wood will be going anywhere. Fraser, perhaps. Um he's not been he's not been getting his his game. He's 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 always um he's always kinda Niggled with injuries, I think. He's he, you know, he never seems to be he, he, unfortunately for him, he doesn't seem to be able to get a, a solid run of 10, 12, 15 games with without without some sort of injury, um, which then affects how how you know how much you're trusted by a manager, I think, how much you you know, how you can find your form as well um over a period of time. So I can see why Ryan Fraser would be somebody that they might want to, to offload and free up a, a space in the squad. And I can see why he's not happy and why he wants to leave. Personally, I think it would it would probably maybe suit both both sides if uh, if he does leave, because he is further down the pecking order. He's behind Miggie, he's behind uh Alanson Maximum, he's behind Jacob Murphy now. Once Alexander Izak comes back to fitness, he'll be behind him. He, he's behind a number of players in that pecking order. Probably Elliot Anderson's probably leapfrogged him as well. So um, so yeah, there might be one that that moves out. There might be another one or two kind of squad players that that potentially go out as as well. But I don't think there'll be I don't think there'll be a raft of exits neither. Um just because of the the, the nature of the squad and, and they'll want to see how how this mid season break affects affects the club, how how it affects the players, how it affects the team, and try to keep as strong a squad I think as possible into the end of the season.
0: I'm gonna. uh just go on to a, a different subject here, and, and Jason Scott mentions it in the chat. Bit of thinking PIF are selling the tune, absolute clowns. Story that the mirror broke at the weekend, wasn't it? That potentially, um, you know, the PIF might look at selling Newcastle United to, to, to make a healthy profit and then buy Manchester United. I mean, you know, come on, Ross, that's not going to happen.
1: No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think, um, I think. In another in another time in another in another world, you know, if PIF hadn't hadn't bought uh, Newcastle when they did, and, and the the sale hadn't gone through, and Man United had come up for for um, for sale, then you know they might have been interested. Then I don't know. I don't know enough about about PIF. I don't know enough about the, the people around them. But what I do know is that all the the, the noises and all the the, the um, pronouncements that are coming from PIF and coming from the club is how. Um, committed they are to Newcastle United, how they want to build something, how they, they they say this is a is a long-term project, and they're not here just to, to make a mark and, and then you know cash in and, and move on to something bigger or better. It's not it's not about that for for them. Um, so yeah, I I think you 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 know people in and around the club as well in and around PIF better than what I do, Steve. You know you you know the the, the commitment that that the consortium have to, to Newcastle United, I don't see them them going anywhere. I think they're fully committed to the club, fully committed to the region, developing and, and, and building something over a long period of time. Man United will get some some new owners in and they'll they'll be they'll be you know they'll have to pay an absolute premium for them. Whereas, you know, Newcastle were were relatively cheap when you look at, at the market uh, nowadays. But yeah, Man United, Liverpool, there's a lot of clubs who are who are up for sale at the minute and, and trying to find buyers for them will be it'll be an interesting concept.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you from you know, you know, going through the process with Amanda and um, me and Dad back in the day that you know, they always wanted Newcastle from that game that they came to it, it's in James's Park against Liverpool. You know, it was their focus. However, when the deal collapsed um, first time round after Curry Gates, they were very, you know, you know, very disappointed and had you know, a job to do and they were openly looking at other clubs and they did look at Chelsea. They didn't look at Manchester United, but they did look at Chelsea. Um, You know, so ultimately for me, I don't see, you know, I don't see any, you know, reason why a story like that would be written or put out there other than to cause mischief. Um, You know, if it's not sports washing, it's something else. And, you know, ultimately for Newcastle fans, best thing to do is if you don't like what you read, move on, you know what I mean, and, and, and don't create a storm out of it. it it's it's as simple as that really because uh, you know, it, it's what people want they need, they need controversy sometimes to get clicks, it's the same with the people on TV you know, Brazil celebrating a goal is suddenly now a, a big talking point, they've always celebrated goals, look back look at Pelé Look at Jozinho. Look at all these great players over the years. Roberto Carlos. Whenever they score a, a fantastic goal from distance and or something that's rather special, you know they celebrate. I mean, that's honestly this this world that we live in um, is uh, you know I'm really I'm starting to feel like an old fart if I wanted a better expression. Like um, I think from a, from a media
1: from a media perspective, Steve. I think it's such a crowded market, and obviously I, I work in the industry, so such a crowded market now there's so many there's so many competing um elements within within media whether it's it's blogs and fan fan blogs and fan accounts and 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 uh youtube shows and stuff like like yourselves um and that what we're what we're on now or whether it's kind of the more uh traditional media that have been around for, for a certain number of times whether it's it, the rise of digital media has given everybody now a platform and everybody a voice and you're competing for so many different kind of with so many different um other areas and eyeballs you're trying to find a different angle sometimes you're trying to find something that's a, a little bit quirky you're trying to find something that's a bit controversial you look at what talk sport do with some of their their um their social media stuff you know it's all focused in on on polarizing opinions whether it's Simon Jordan or or Graham Soonas or or whoever it is or you know with TV with your Roy Keynes and every everything else like that. There's so many experts now as well who are always willing to come in and and, and give an opinion. So the the Newcastle in the Saudis Piece. It, I think there was a piece that was in the Athletic. It originated in the Athletic with where it was a, It was one of the. You know. You know how we see these football professors. Um. You know these these economics professors. Yacoub yeah, Maguire's. This one was Simon Chadwick, I think, who who said, Oh yeah, I think I think you know Newcastle might be. You know, PIF might sell Newcastle and look at local Man United. And sometimes they, they take a quote and it can just be then built into something something else. There's so many eyeballs and so I, I'm not I'm not trying to. Kind of defend some of the the stuff that 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 happens and some of the stories that are written. I'm just trying to give it a little bit of context as to as to why it is. Um, and these stories these stories get so many people viewing them and in and, and commenting on them and driving that engagement around it. That it uh, it almost becomes sometimes a, a vicious circle as well.
0: Yeah, it does, mate. It does. Yeah, I mean, there's a few comments coming in, uh, Ross. From a journalistic perspective, does nonsense like the PIF or Manu happen just for clickbait and attention? Does it damage the reputation of journalism? I mean, I'll take the second part of the question. You've answered the first part, but does does it damage the reputation of journalism, Ross?
1: Um, it's a really interesting question, that John. Really interesting question, um, and we we'll probably don't have enough enough time or or kind of uh, scope to to discuss. To discuss, what I could sit here all day and discuss kind of um, the 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 reputation of journalism and and uh, the way that journalism's gone over the last kind of twenty years. I've been in the industry now for for twenty years, and, and I've moved from from a, an area when I started off as as being a young writer and reporter and in you know covering matches and, and covering clubs and all that. Now now I work my main role now in journalism is is a bit more kind of behind the scenes, a bit more managed a lot more management. But looking at the brand, looking at, at the reputation of of, of of our brands and and working on how we can make our our brands more um, more trusted, how we can get more loyal readers onto our brands rather than just chasing a headline which which will get a spike on our on our numbers in a short spike. That's that's great short term, but what we need is is sustainability. What we need in journalism, you know, it's a very, very difficult in, in I'm not, you know, get your violins our smallest violins in the world, but it's a very difficult kind of market at the minute. It's an industry at the minute, it's changed so much. So but we need to be sustainable, we need to, to be trusted, and we need to, to have a loyal readers who will trust our brands and keep on coming back and coming back and coming back. The only way you can do that is by well, there's there's a number of ways you can do it, but but one of the main is by having really good strong trusted journalism and in, in, in stories that in reporters that, that people really trust. So some of this, some of the stuff, clickbait, it, I, I get where people are coming from. I can understand why people think like that, but we as an industry, I trust, I promise you, we're, we're trying to make our our products and our brands as trusted as possible because we know that that is the only way that people like yourselves will come back and come back and, and read our stories regularly and, um, at the same time, as journalists, you don't get everything right. No, nobody's got to think, every, Nobody will get everything right, and and sometimes you'll you can make a, an, an honest mistake. Sometimes you can make a, you can write a piece of, of with the with a kind of the best intention and the the best kind of, you know, the, the best understanding of, of what that is at the time. And in a, a story, you can move in different different ways, shapes, and forms. So, and you've all, always at times got to give it. Different voices are, are, are saying different opinions. Are we trying to get fans involved a little bit more now, and, and readers involved, in giving their voices? You know, some of the stuff I've talked about on on this show, where we've 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 asked for for people's verdicts on on surveys, and, and you know, what would you want to do with Saint James's Park? What would you want to do with the training ground? Where, you know, what about the naming rights? All these sort of things that we've discussed previously on this. On this show i think it's part of where journalism is moving to as well it's giving readers and giving fans more of a voice and more of a, uh, an identity within our within our brands as well so i hope that answers the question I, I fear it probably hasn't um but i'm 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 you know it's a fascinating subject for me it's fascinating obviously and and i, I do like to try and give a little bit of context to, to some of the stuff that 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 goes on in in the industry and in journalism when i'm on this show
0: yeah you can only answer for yourself mate you can't answer for the you know every journalist you know across the world so um thanks for doing that mate and uh, we're going to have a quick ad break we will be back after this a big thanks to all of our sponsors starting off with skips and bins telephone forty five twenty five three. email inquiries at skipsandbins.com the website is www.skipsandbins.com easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection Thanks also to Garden of Healing Dispensary CBD hemp and cannabinoid specialists find them at the gohd.com thanks also to 3 properties and they specialize in sourcing investment properties for their clients who are looking to invest in the northeast they offer a full in-house service from sourcing the deals to managing the properties for you they've done over 100 plus deals in the past 12 months for clients all over the uk give them a follow on instagram Matty.patter underscore northeast property and phil.read underscore northeast property or email Phil at 3property.co.uk if you're interested in getting a good property deal. Big thanks also to Mr. Vicky's uh, sources handmade in Cumbria. You can find them at Mr. or order some of the sources by calling 01768 210 102 or emailing Info at mrvickies.co.uk Thanks also to Blowhole Brewery and uh, their cans uh, are vast and uh, in the shape of the old uh, Newcastle United strips from the 1990s. Bonnie Blonde, Geordie Juice and uh, Fog of the Tyne. uh, Some great uh, beers. Get yourself to Blowhole Brewery co.uk to order your cans in for the festive period thanks to media arts uh, for all the help with the video side of things and thanks to qtechshop.co.uk makers of pool tables and snooker tables in wallsend newcastle if you want to subscribe to the channel hit the subscribe button on the bottom right hand corner hit the like button and click share please join the channel as well to support us We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast providers. If you want to join the channel, you can use this QR code or just go to nufcmatters.com and look for Membership Pack. If you join in that particular way, you get a scarf, a cup, a pen, and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw. We also give you a free car sticker. All you need to do is subscribe to the show and then email john at nufcmatters.com to claim it. We also support the Food Bank on this channel, nuscfansfoodbank.co.uk. Go to that website and make a virtual donation today. couple of events coming up. Paul Gascoigne is at the Fed on the 4th of December. Contact the Fed in Dunstan and Gateshead for more information. And Peter Beardsley, 20 tickets left for this. Is at St Dom's Catholic Club in Newcastle on the 10th of February next year. Uh, contact St Dom's. Um, Via their contact details on their website or on Twitter If you're looking for a Christmas present for uh, a Newcastle fan You can go to badboysbooks.net You could order a copy of Enemy from the Bender Squad to the Gremlins Or the last remaining copies of Black or White, No Grey Areas By Lee Clark and Will Scott If you're looking for a Christmas jumper for your night out Go to nufcmatters.com and get your Bruno jumper today Lots of comments coming in. Stephen Walker says, spot on, Ross, but why is there a constant and constant pick at NUFC by everyone? I personally think it's targeted at the Northeast because we're so damned grounded. Roger says, that was a respectful answer, Ross. And Sutty says, when it comes to journalism, that's why I respect what the likes of Liam and Gibbo have to say because they keep it real and factual, so lots of uh, opinions on that, and um, I'm sure it'll come up again. Uh, but like I say, if you don't like what you hear on TV or listen to on the radio or reading the paper, you don't have to read it, you don't have to watch it, you don't have to listen to it. If you don't like what you see on this podcast, you don't have to. It's it's one of those things, it's it's called a choice. Uh, so just just remember that in future, I guess, if um, you know, if you're going to do that. Jason says, uh, I could listen to Ross Gibble, Liam, and Andrew Musgrove all day. They're all level-headed and no bull. So there you go. Plenty of uh, plenty of positives coming in for you, Ross. It must be nice when you get a little bit of praise like that, which uh, which which is good. Tom asks you a question, though. He says, uh, Ross, do you think Maximum can play a major part when the season starts again? Last night on um the fans forum, um, we had Kevin on and um and and Darren, and they were they were talking about ESM potentially, you know, being surplus to requirements might go, you know. Um, it was a topic that came up in the chat. I mean I don't think ESM will go in the transfer window in January, but I think somehow there, there could be a move.
1: I would I would agree with you, Steve. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a it's almost it's it's quite a big six months for him in that sense because um, he's he's obviously had his injury issues. He's he's somebody at the start of the season. He looked looked he looked really really sharp, and he looked like he'd he'd added a, a different element to his game where he was releasing the ball that little bit quicker and. and and being a little bit more of a of a, of a kind of team player which i think is very very important to Teddy Howe and Disney Castle setup you know there's they're not trying to they're not trying to, to build it on big egos and in individuals it's it's very much a collective and in a team ethos um he'll start in the in the friendly i'm sure on uh, on Thursday um and with with this break, it's probably come at a good time for him because it's allowed him to to get hopefully get his get his fitness up and and you know we saw him in flashes before the break and and he didn't quite look like he was 100 up to up the speed obviously after a bit of a, a layoff. If if ASM can can produce the form and the ability that we all know that he's got and he can marry that with with the kind of the work ethic and the team ethos that's... That Eddie Howe and Newcastle demand, then I think he'd be a real key player between the end of it, between now and the end of the season. I do worry a little bit about his fitness record, um, but on his day, he's as he's as um, he's is, he's unpredictable. He's talented. He's a he's a he would be a great asset. It's just whether you can get him to fit into into the the way that Newcastle really want to play. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred percent. Me, I I just think he's, you know, he's. You know he's just not happy, uh, you know, being second fiddle because you know, there's a lot of players have, who are better than him at the club now. And he was brilliant when Newcastle were weren't as good. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, I never thought this situation would happen. Um, I did expect this situation to happen. Coventry City have been issued an eviction, an eviction notice by their stadium's new owners. Now, who is the stadium's new owner? I wonder yes it's Mike Ashley's he's Fraser group who've told the club to leave and they've got no right to use the ground ross aren't you so happy this guy is no near our club anymore
1: I, I certainly am I certainly am and you know you know I've been a I've been a pretty vocal kind of you know I was I've been pretty vocal over the years about over Mike Ashley as, as I think anybody who follows on on social media would um I'm, I'm very I'm pleased, obviously, that he's that he's nowhere near, near Castle. But for commentary fans, I'm a little bit, you know, I feel sorry for them. I, 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 you know, I don't think it's. I just worry for them. I worry for them, and I worry for, for any for any club that obviously has has ownership issues that has um, financial issues because um, I, I would hate to say any club in 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 trouble, in turmoil, in, in danger of going out of business. And commentary have had no luck whatsoever over over recent years. Some of it, obviously, you know, self-inflicted, but I'm talking mainly about the fans, you know, the fans have had, you know, have had no luck and, and let's see how, how this one played out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's, a, maybe it's a precursor for, for Mike Ashley coming in and, and maybe he's looking at, at full kind of ownership of the, of the club at the minute. It's, he, he's obviously snapped up the, um, up the ground or, or the Fraser group have, have snapped up the, the ground and, and uh, uh, uh kind of making that you know putting their weight around and making making that that presence felt so um yeah it's a it's a real interesting one to keep an eye on um like you say i'm 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 really pleased he's might actually know when yeah um castle now but hopefully for coventry fans it, it all works out um for the best
0: yeah good luck to them um it's it's just an awful situation for any football fan. to have Mike Ashley anywhere near your football club, but as I say, uh, from our perspective, uh, good riddance to bad rubbish. Mike Ashley had no interest in football whatsoever. It's all about lining his own pockets. Very true. Nice to see you on here, Chelsea dots. Thank you for uh, for coming on and to humble land to uh, Fox Cub. Thank you for for jumping over. Uh, have you been impressed by qual when he was played for Australia in the World Cup? Would you bring him into the first team squad in January, or is the agreement that he stays at current club in Australia? It's an interesting one. He became the youngest person since Pelé to play in a World Cup. What did you make of him, Ross? Uh,
1: the bits I saw of him, he, he obviously looks sharp, I think he looks he looks raw um, still, and and uh, but he's, he's obviously a, an exciting talent, um. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think you. I think the, the 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 work permit issues need to be resolved, and it might be that he goes out on on loan to a to a club in Europe to, to get a little bit more experience. I think that's probably be the, the maybe the, the best the best avenue from the best route from. Um, but it, it, it kind of goes back to what we what we talked about or touched about earlier on in terms of bringing those young players into the into the squad, picking up some of the best young talent in a, in and around the. Um, well, around the world, really. If you if if you look at where where the clubs scouting and and then seeing if they can develop them, you know it's a model that's worked pretty well for for that clubs. You know, I'm thinking, you know, Chelsea in particular. You know, they scout a lot of young players and, and bring them in and and then put them out on loan to different places to to help that development and hope that one or two will kind of really flourish and then you know they'll come back into into their first team squad and. And uh, and kick on from there. If it doesn't quite work, sometimes you know they'll sell them on and, and make make a profit, or, or or you know certainly get their money back. So, um, it's 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 a it's a different model. Um, and I do think Newcastle are looking to, to bring in a lot more top quality young players, and in uh, Quarles just the the first off the off the list. I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. You have got a, a little backlog of questions here. Uh, David Vetch just going back to England says, "Do you think we could double up against Mbappe? Maybe he's using Walker and Trippier."
1: Could do, yeah. I think I think in an ideal world, obviously, it's a system Gareth Southgate's quite liked in terms of almost like a three-four-three, three, having Kyle Walker as the right-sided side centre half, and Trippier is a is a kind of wing back. Um, and I'm I'm fairly certain that'll be that'll be going through his 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 thoughts. The problem that you've got now though is that if you play that system, that three kind of three-four-three three system, is who do you drop out the out of the midfield three? You know, Deppman Rice. I don't think you can drop Bellingham. You can't drop Henderson's been superb for the last two, two or three, two games. You know he's been he's been outstanding and I, And I'm a big Jordan Henderson fan. I don't think you can drop any of them three. So how do you? It, it's you know do you change your team to, to try to counter one player, or do you keep what's worked well for for your for for England, which is which is that midfield three's been 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 excellent, and the front three's been really good as well. So. I'd be surprised if he changed ultimately from a from a kind of 3 That's that's worked so well. He might just tweak it the personnel enough, have Depp and have Declan race playing slightly right sided or Henderson playing slightly right sided to help help Kyle Walker out. But um but we'll see. Yeah.
0: I was just chatting to me mate on chat last night said Stephen Walker and he said he would wouldn't it be great if Newcastle would try for Bellingham? Do you think the bar is too high? I mean, what a player he is, 19 years of age, uh, getting applauded from everybody watching England, you know, even his own players, Phil Foden saying there's not a fault in his game. Um, Real Madrid potentially interested. I'm afraid when the Galacticos come calling, Ross, I think St James's Park might have to wait just a little bit longer.
1: It will do. It will do. I think, um, look, you never know the progress that Newcastle make over the next two or three years. Then, you know, in two or three years' time, we could be in the in the conversation for those types of players. We could really be in the in the mix for those. But you know, you've got to have guaranteed football you've, you've, to to attract somebody like like Jude Bellingham at the at, at the stage he is at his career. You've got to be able to, to have certain cast guarantees, and Newcastle just aren't on there yet. You know, like I say, in a few years' time, fingers crossed. But um, but what a player! Oh, what a player he is.
0: Um, I'd be more worried about Giroud. Than Mbappe says Chelsea The guy doesn't stop. Uh he's what 34, 35, 36, still doing it at the highest level. He is a goal scorer and a half mind. And uh, yeah, it is you know, it, it, it is a little more of a concern. There are other players other than Mbappe. Fox Cub says, would love Bellingham at the tune. God would be it would be dream. It would be a dream, that wouldn't it? Uh Chelsea have apparently questioned for Bellingham 134 million. Real Madrid or Chelsea, he's going to pick Real Madrid, isn't he? And on Lewis morning, he says, what a player Bellingham is. Unreal to have him in your team. Roger Cook says, Tielemans and Trossard is more realistic than Madison, do you think? And somebody else asked about Madison, so combine that one. John Askew says, will Tielemans leave Leicester in the window? Would we be interested? Tielemans is probably the one who, you know, is second is second choice. I would still imagine the want to go for Madison. Trossard didn't really have a great World Cup, but Take nothing away from what he did, um, you know, in, in the first part of the season. That wonderful hat trick he scored against Liverpool, um, you know, probably the highlight. But um, th- th- you know, those, you know, Leicester are still going to be heavily focused on on for for outgoings, and and I would be surprised if we don't go back in for that winger at Watford as well. Um, you know, we were we were very close to getting them in the, you know, in the summer transfer window, and, you know, I remember Eddie Howe's words when the transfer window closed. And it was almost like a, a cryptic message to those who that hadn't managed to get in at the club. Just keep doing what you're doing, you know, and, and you know we, we may well be back. So maybe maybe we'll go back in for some of those players that we didn't quite get in the summer.
1: Yeah, I think Newcastle they've, they've shown with with um, with obviously the the search for for Botman and 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 players like that that they that they're willing to to be patient and. And they've got the, the targets that they want to to pursue, and, and they're at the top of the list. You know, Madison's obviously somebody that they that they're really keen on in the in the summer. Um, Trossard's name's come up a, a couple of times, and and um, he's he's a he's an excellent player. Telemans is really really um, decent Premier League player as well, and, and and obviously his contract situation is makes it a, a, a even more intriguing one. Um, I don't I don't say any of them three Leaving in in January, leaving their clubs in January. If I'm if I'm being honest, um, I think January is a really tough market. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see. I, I I personally I'd like to see all three. All, I, I would, I think all three would would improve Newcastle's squad at this minute in time. Um, but you know, we say this, we say this kind of every other week. Or you know, the competition for these players is is really intense. You know to you know, you, you, if you're looking at Tielemans, then Arsenal are really, really keen on on Telemans. If you're looking at Madison, you know there's going to be three or four clubs who are who are keen on on him. Um, Trossard as well. I think Newcastle will be in the mix for these types of players, absolutely. But um, but I don't see I don't see anyone of that ilk kind of moving in in January.
0: Yeah, has had a great World Cup, Tom. Uh, again, not sure whether Newcastle are interested in them, and it was. Uh... Of course, how Pedro? Yeah, Les says uh, Pedro did sign a new contract, possibly to protect a fee, and that 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 was the kind of mindset we had when the transfer window closed. That would be the reason that he would have signed a new contract at Watford. But he seems very keen to come to Newcastle, and I think that's more realistic. Uh, you know, you look at the signings that Newcastle have made. Yeah, they're not afraid to spend money, but they're not going to be held to ransom, and they're not gonna they're not gonna pay over the top of players. But Pedro's price. Didn't you know is is reasonable and I think I think he'd fit in. Remember as well, it's all about fitting into that dressing room and not not unbalancing the the uh, the, the team atmosphere that they found. And bringing a big name player in would do that. Um, certainly, somebody who's used to being a big fish in a, a slightly smaller sea coming to Newcastle may well rock the boat a bit. So that that, that you know it's, it's all that is all going to be taken into consideration. So he says when we've got a full strength squad I'd play Isaac, Wilson and Almiron as our top three, ASM could be used as an impact sub and Isaac could move into striker as I feel Wilson will not last ninety minutes every game. It's a good suggestion. Um it's why Eddie Howe gets paid the big bucks and Chelski says Steve, how long until Newcastle become an established top six team playing in Europe every season. I'm delighted with Chelsea getting uh, and kuku what a fantastic player he is. I genuinely think that newcastle um will be able to maintain that level um once they can sign on more players you know the financial fair play is restricting Newcastle at the moment, but I think eventually they will you know will be there in maybe two to three years' time it might it might happen longer that the big test ross is. That first season in Europe will will tell us a lot, because suddenly you're not just playing, you know, one or two games a week. You're playing three games a week, and that's then the traveling. All of that has to be taken into consideration. That's when you find out how good your squad is.
1: Absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely bang on. It's it's quite brutal in terms of the the, the relentless kind of nature of of traveling and. You know people say oh it's only it's only an extra game you know, on a Thursday or, or a Wednesday or whenever it is that you, you play but it's it's the it disrupts your preparation you know it you know during the week for the Premier League you, you come back from a from a game say say Newcastle qualify for the Europa League and in the they're, they're playing every Thursday night then all of a sudden you you your match day is now on a on a Sunday you're getting back from you might be getting back from I don't know Kiev on a on a Friday morning you know when's you prep for that sunday game it's it's saturday you pretty much got got saturday or, or half a friday and, and a little bit of saturday to do your do your prep it just becomes so much um so much more intense so so much harder you're gonna need a, a you know much stronger squad um and we've seen we've seen it with, with plenty of other teams over the over the years when they've when they've got into to Europe then them teams that have kind of come in a little bit smaller teams your West Hams your Leicester's, so on and so forth. You know, we saw it with Newcastle last time. Newcastle were in in Europe under um, under Alan Pardew. You know, when when we finished fifth, it didn't strengthen the squad in the summer. Brought in, I think Vernon Anita was the only player who who came in that summer, and and it just became too much for the squad to be going. You know, playing every every midweek and every weekend, um, for for you know six, seven, eight weeks in a in a row. Um, so yeah, that'll be a, a real big test. think it'll be slightly different this time in this in the sense that if newcastle do qualify for europe i I do i would expect to to see a a real strengthening of the squad in the in the summer um to to accommodate and and counter that um but yeah it's a that would be the challenge is is being able to consistently play at that level over over a period of seasons and that's you know that's why the the big teams have the big squads and spend all, all that money so they can they can do it and rotate as, as best as possible on a on a Saturday and then a, a week a midweek.
0: Uh, certainly, says, I mentioned on last night show about any announcements from the club about sponsor partners, well, it's out in Saudi, and I see the Newcastle official page have announced STC. As a partner, yeah, there'll be more of that, certainly. They've got people in the places to do the jobs now, you know. They've got Silverstone in, they've got um, Darren Eels in, you know. There'll be a lot more of this, but the main sponsor, the big sponsor that I think everybody's interested in, I don't think will come until probably the end of the season. It may come earlier, but uh, just just the feeling I've got, I think it might come later. John Askew says, Morning, uh, everyone. Do you think that our surprising progress and the chances of a top four finish will alter our transfer thinking? Do you think we'll push the boat out? You also asked, lads, is the key to success at the moment the band of brothers' mentality and could this be negatively impacted by the so-called marquee signers? Something we've just been speaking about there and I missed that question earlier. Sorry, John. Um, yeah, I, I genuinely feel that um, they'll just be very careful. They'll be very careful with what they sign. Um, anyhow, won't want to upset the balance. It's as just, it's just simple as that. Um, and, and, and as Ross and I have just discussed, you know, pushing the board out in, in January, I, I think they'll be, I'll just think they'll be very careful. Um, I think they'll be doing what Newcastle um, you know, will be doing, what most clubs do, most clubs with ambition, is you know, as this transfer window closes, they will already be looking at the summer. They will have a game plan. Um, will the fact that they're at this moment ahead of schedule change their philosophy? I doubt it. I think they'll just continue in the same vein. I don't think they will change anything because suddenly they find themselves in third. And you've got to remember, I said this last night, you win nothing being third in December. You know what I mean? A lot can change. We could have a horrendous January and suddenly Newcastle out of the European positions. You could be out of the Carabao Cup and you could be out of the FA Cup and suddenly everyone's, everyone's depressed and it's, you know, all, of that, all of that negativity surrounds it. And that's what you've got to be prepared for. You've just got to be prepared. I don't think that will happen, by the way. That's what I'm saying. It football football changes, Ross, doesn't it? And you you should never be surprised with what happens in football.
1: No, I mean it's a really really long season. And I've said this before. We don't know what the impact of this this little break is going to have done uh, for the World Cup. if it's going to if it's going to you know affect teams' momentum. You know, Newcastle had, had really strong momentum going into the into the break. How do you come back out of this? How do you prepare? How do you you know what's you know nobody's nobody's had this before, so. Um, all, all the clubs are in the same boat, so it'll be interesting to see how, how teams kind of come back after after uh, after the uh, after the break. You always used to see kind of su- the odd surprise result, didn't you, over Christmas and Boxing Day and New Year's Day, because teams are playing every two or three games and every two or three days, and, and there used to be the odd little shock result where you, where, you know a bit of a coupon buster. Will you see that again? Um, we just don't know. And then coming into into kind of the, the March, April time where it's the real business end of the season, we've seen it before, where you, you have teams that are, that are you think right, West Ham nailed on for for you know a, a top four finish, going to going upset the apple get getting the Champions League, and the, the just because of the, the the relentless nature of it in the the long old season, they just fall away at the end because the squads aren't quite strong enough or the players aren't quite um, you know mentally strong enough if you like or, or you know willing to able to to handle and big pressure big pressure moments you know so that'll come from your castle as well potentially where you get into big pressure games we saw when your castle played Arsenal last season at the end of the, at the end of last season our Arsenal were 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 almost nailed on for a for a Champions League place at at one point and just fell away um and that was a lot of that was down to, to the mentality. The the young players in the squad couldn't handle that kind of pressure, had never been in that situation before. Newcastle took advantage at, at St James's and, and absolutely demolished them. But it could be that Newcastle being that same boat at the end of this season where where you're playing in high pressure games and in you know where you know you've got to win to qualify for Europe or you've got to keep pace with, with the teams around you. And it and it just creates different um a different a different feel to a, to a game as well. So all these different pressures and challenges, it'll be interesting to see how Newcastle cope with it. Um, hopefully, if if it's still in the mix come kind of April.
0: Uh, just a, a, a little um, mention to the uh, academy prospects: Lewis Miley, Alex Murphy, Dylan Stevenson, Jay Turner, Cook, and Joe White. They've all joined Newcastle United's first team training camp in Saudi Arabia. Obviously, a few gaps left by those still participating in the World Cup, but that's a fantastic experience for those academy players, isn't it, Ross?
1: It is. It's a it's a great it's a great um, experience, even if they don't get many minutes, even if they don't um, even if they don't appear on the on the pitch at all. Just to be in and around. The squad training every day with um, with world class players um, under under some really top draw coaching with with you know with Eddie Howe and um, and his management and coaching team it'll just be such a fantastic experience for them and it's great to see it's what we should be doing as a club I think is is exposing those young uh, players to to um, to the best training and the best um, the, the best facilities and everything else like that, showing them that there's a there's a pathway there if they're good enough and they work hard enough. Um because I don't think that pathway has always been there or, or you know I don't think that the talent pool's necessarily always been as, as high as well. But there's some really good young players in there. Lewis Miley's really um highly highly thought of within the, the club and he's he's made um he's you know he's he's made an impact at at under 21s level. Dylan um, Stevenson's a, a good young prospect, and a cookster, you know, Joe White. There's there's some really really good strong uh, players in there. Hopefully one of them or two of them will, will hope will come through, get some good good minutes, in in, in force their way into the first team squad like Elliot Anderson's
0: done. Uh, shares says I was never expecting any trophies, I just wanted to fall back in love with my club. So now there's hope for our future. I don't see a point of feeling down if our season doesn't finish top four. That's a great attitude to have. This talk about PIF selling the towns, uh, the tune says Derek, uh, and going in for man, U is laughable on a business sense. Manua have peaked and Newcastle are nowhere near their peak. Fox Cub says, it's the first time I've uh, been on this channel. Uh, came here for a good listen. I'm loving the info. I might just end up an armchair expert. Thanks for your support. Alan says, Ross and Steve, the last 50 years on Boxing Day, we've lost 29. Uh, we've won 10, and you know, drawn 10 and won 11. Our record is horrible over Christmas, so I'm keeping my feet on the ground. That's when we haven't had a, a break. So maybe things will change Let's see Uh, John says I get your point Ches, But we can all dream Nice to be miles ahead of schedule And uh, Les In reply to Chez Says "Uh, With you there Chez. It's just great to be a Newcastle fan And that's not going to change If we don't make top four If we do It'll be phenomenal And, um, Tom, we did talk about Garen Kual a little bit earlier, so I'll, I'll miss that one. And Shez just replying to people in the chat. I couldn't agree more. The dreaming is part of the journey. I'd even venture to say that the dreaming is even better than winning multiple trophies every year. Getting back to England then, we'll finish with Toon Trader, Ian do you not think that Kane looks two yards slower than last season? Not watched enough of him in the English Premier League to say, but I think he is still carrying that ankle knock. I think he's still carrying the knock, Ross. Um, and he, of course, of course, he's going to get slower. He's getting, you know, he's not, he's not getting any younger. Um, you know, I, I think as well the position that he's playing in it at, at uh, Spurs is probably impacting on on how he plays international level. When you play your club football in a certain style. It's difficult sometimes to readapt to playing your old way. But um but like Bobby Robson when he came to Newcastle, he changed Shearer's style and you know he got him an extra few years and he scored a few more goals to to become the Premier League's top scorer. But um but yeah, look, Harry Kane is still a dangerous player on the world stage for England.
1: Oh, hundred percent. we don't have a better striker at the minute. We don't have a better striker in, in England. You know, we're all Callum Wilson fans, obviously, and, and um, and it's great to see him getting some minutes and, and making a bit of an impact there. But if we're being brutally honest, which, which we always should be, you know, Harry Kane is a, is a cut above. He's a cut above Callum Wilson. He's cut above every other English striker in the Premier in the Premier League. He's cut above pretty much every striker in the Premier League, but, but maybe Haaland, and, you know, you, if, if you want to class Salah as a, a kind of out-and-out out forward, you know, there's there's not many as good as Harry Kane. And that's something that we should we should um, we should celebrate. We should you know we should enjoy the fact that he's that we've got one of the best strikers in in Europe in our team. Um, and you know France coming up against Kane, um, they'll know that that they'll be in for a tough test. He he hasn't got the the he's not electric pace wise, but he's quick enough for me. Um, he he certainly showed you know. For that second goal, when he when when the break was on, you know he he, he he's quick enough for, for getting into them goal scoring positions. Sometimes, I think a lot of a lot of us would like to see Kane play a little bit high up the pitch sometimes for, for England, but it's part of the system. He drops in, he links the play up, it allows midfield runners like Bellingham and Henderson and and then the wide players to to run in behind and and drags defenders into areas that they don't want to come into. You know, there was a really good piece of um, analysis I saw. Of the of the senegal game I can't remember who it was who it was off now uh, but there's a really good piece of analysis about how how Kane's movement allowed um allowed Henderson and, and Bellingham some some space to break into um, I think he's a fantastic player I really do I can't I, I think he's I think he's one of the best English strikers we've had I think probably the best that we've had since since uh, a certain Mr Shearer um, he'd probably go on and break Shearer's Premier League record as well, unfortunately, but uh, but I, you know I can't speak highly enough of him and and to have him as our focal point in a, in a really good, vibrant, energetic, pacey attack, I think it, it suits England really well.
0: Yeah, I agree, mate. Okay, uh, England quarterfinals against France. You know what I'm going to say, Ross. What's your prediction? <laughs>
1: um, oh dear me. Um, let's be positive. Let's be really
0: positive. Let's go 3-1 England win. 3-1 England win. Okay. You heard us here first. uh, As always, thanks for joining us, mate. Been a good show. Um, I will be back tomorrow night um, at six o'clock. Tune in then. And Ross, hopefully get you back on again next week. Thanks for joining us, mate. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Steve.
1: Thanks, everyone.